Well, it happened in record time. The Senate confirmed Amy Coney Barrett and the left is having a meltdown. Bloomberg buys ads in Texas on behalf of Biden. Does he think that he can turn Texas blue? And chaos erupted in Philadelphia, leaving dozens of police officers injured. We've got that and much more coming up and it starts right now. Hey, welcome to the news and why it matters. And boy, does it matter. We have a week until the election. I'm Hillary Kennedy. I'm filling in for Sarah Gonzalez. And with me today, Mr. Rob Eno. Thanks for having who me. Who is our Blaze TV media critic. Glad to have you back. Thanks for having me on. And Mr. Eric July, mm -hmm. our Blaze TV contributor and host of For Cannon's Sake. Good oh. to have you here, too. Thank you for having me. All right, so we'll get to the biggest news of the day. Amy Coney Barrett being sworn in. She's the newest justice on the Supreme Court. Um, she was sworn in by the longest serving member, Justice Clarence Thomas, uh, last night, less than two hours after she was confirmed to the high court by the U.S. Senate. Um, it was a 52 to 48 vote, and she's the fifth woman to serve on the Supreme Court and the first mother of school aged children to be confirmed. So in her acceptance speech, Justice Amy Coney Barrett emphasizes that senators are elected to pursue their policy preferences, but judges declare independence from their private beliefs. Here's a clip. It is the job of a senator to pursue her policy preferences. In fact, it would be a dereliction of duty for her to put policy goals aside. By contrast, it is the job of a judge to resist her policy preferences. It would be a dereliction of duty for her to give in to them. Federal judges don't stand for election. Thus, they have no basis for claiming that their preferences reflect those of the people. This separation of duty from political preference is what makes the judiciary distinct among the three branches of government. A judge declares independence not only from Congress and the President, but also from the private beliefs that might otherwise move her. So there were a lot of really strong reactions from both sides of the aisle about her being appointed to the court. But first, before we get into all that, how do you think that she will do on the Supreme Court? Well, I think that she'll do like she's done as a federal judge. I mean, she has a record as a federal judge of applying the Constitution and applying laws as written. And that's all that anybody's ever asked. And that, that's what that speech was, right? That speech was, I will not legislate from the bench, which is what the left has done for the my entire life. I mean, I was born literally I was I was born about seven months after Roe v. Wade. So for the entire time I was in my mother's womb, for the entire time of my life, the court has been legislating from the bench. And that's what the left has wanted them to do, which is why they were so apoplectic that Donald Trump did what every other president that's had control of the Senate within their party has done, nominated a judge and then had them confirmed. The thing that was different the last time was that the Senate was of a different party, and there is historical precedence for that not to happen. But when they're the same, it's always happened. Right. What do you think, Eric? How do you think she's going to do? Uh, I mean, to be completely honest, I, I don't have the highest of hopes, but it has little to do with her and more to do with the position. Like, I don't put faith in any of these guys when it comes to that position. And that is the ideal position, what she said totally understandable and that is that you are a judge so you are to rule accordingly 
not by way of your personal bias, your personal preference, your political beliefs or anything like that. It's what is it? Is this right or wrong? According to whatever document, constitution, uh, whatever it is that they want to refer to. I just don't have faith in any of them to do that. <laughs> Definitely when I consider how they've acted. And again, that's not a discredit to her. That's more in looking at how to what the position more so in being a Supreme Court justice turned into over the course of these years. And I think that's why people are freaking out right now on either side, more so obviously the leftists because they didn't get their guy in. You have AOC immediately. I don't think she was even sworn in yet. I think she got confirmed, but hadn't even got sworn in yet. And she had already talked about expanding the court because that's what it's about with them, particularly power. And that always frightens me. Yep. Well, I mean, like you mentioned, there was a lot of reaction from people. AOC was definitely one of them. Senator Maisie Hirono, this went viral. Um, she's been one of the most vocal Democratic opponents to the nomination of Judge Coney Barrett. And she really kind of showed off her fury on the Senate floor during the roll call vote on Monday. We have a clip of it. Take, take a listen. Mrs. Shaheen, Mr. Shelby. Ms. Cinema, Ms. Smith, Ms. Stabenow. Mr. Sullivan. Aye. So just in case you couldn't hear that clearly, she her vote against the nomination was hell no, and then kind of stomped off the floor. <laughs> she, she was one of the Democrats who really questioned that whether Amy Coney Barrett could be fair because she's so devoted to her Catholic faith. Um, other people accused Hirono of religious bigotry over that suggestion. But in addition to Senator Hirono, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, he also had some pretty harsh words about this, saying that they'll regret this for a lot longer than they think and that this is one of the darkest days in Senate history. Let's listen to that. Leader McConnell has lectured the Senate before on consequences of a majority's action. You'll regret this, he told Democrats once, and you may regret it this a lot sooner than you think. Listen to those words. You'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. I would change just one word. My colleagues may regret this for a lot longer than they think. Monday, October 26th, 2020, it will go down as one of the darkest days in the 231-year <laughs> history of the United States Senate. I yield the floor. So, not 9-11, not um, the attack on Pearl Harbor, um, not slavery, not the first boat coming in in 1619, that was the year, right? So, um, not any of those things. Civil Rights Act, none of that. The uh -huh. fact that the Constitution was followed that there was a vacancy on the Supreme Court that, by the way, Ruth Bader Ginsburg didn't want to leave when they had control of the Senate when she was in her 80s and they asked her, could you leave so we could replace you with somebody so that a future Republican president does not get the chance to replace you? Mm -hmm. I mean, they asked her that. election. You know what else somebody said? Barack Obama said elections have consequences. <laughs> Last time I checked, duly elected, Donald Trump duly kept the Senate, the Republican Party. And, and I hate this. Well, you're just a hypocrite to say under Obama you couldn't do it and you could do it here. My position then was the Senate gets to decide if they're going to confirm or not. And the Senate said no. And now the Senate said yes, because it's the prerogative of the Senate 
to advise and consent, and they advised, using Maisie Hirono words, hell no to Merrick Garland. Yes, Eric, what do you think about the reaction of liberals to her being confirmed? Well, it was about as expected. I mean, I knew they were going to freak out. I think what they anticipated, however, is that them freaking out would have somehow stopped this. And it, I, I knew that it wasn't. I mean, I think we all, they're all the rational people. It's like, you're going to be mad. You'll get over it at some point, but this is going to happen. There's nothing you can do to essentially stop it. You don't have enough votes uh, to, to go the other way. This is happening. Get over it. Right. But I think they thought if they could just pressure people into into making things up, making uh, really dramatizing this event, pretending like it's never happened, all of these sorts of things, then that could that could sway it one way or the other. And of course, it didn't work. And now they're upset. So I expected all of the reaction. The reaction is about uh, as I anticipated. Now, as early as they are uh, talking about this whole court packing, essentially, is what they're what they're discussing. Now that I was impressed by that the lady didn't even get sworn in yet. And they were already having this discussion. Even saw some leftist publications outright saying that, well, the Constitution, maybe it's not a not a good thing, as in they should maybe it's not fit the rule in the 21st century or anything like that. So they're going to try to pull all the stops. But I think they for whatever reason, maybe because Instagram and Twitter taught them that their little hissy fits and their temper tantrums means that they can get their way. But that's not how it works. So do you think Republicans would have had the same reaction if the situation was reversed. Do you think they would have had such a visceral reaction? Yeah, well, I, I don't know if it would be as as unhinged um, <laughs> as this reaction was. But the, I mean, let's be honest. The, the, we we would be like, I can't believe they're doing Absolutely. like like like, like the, there would be some of that. I mean, I'm not going right. to sit here and say that you know both sides of the coin. Um, but you know, historically, if it was a Democrat and the Democrats controlled the House or the Senate. It, that has been done many times. I mean, th this whole like nomination hearing thing is something new. Mm. Like for the first like 150 years of the Republic, 231. Nice that he can you know add um, <laughs> and and do that kind of thing. But I mean, for the most of the the history of the Republic, there was no confirmation hearings. It was like, do you like this guy? No. Yes. Okay. Let's go. I mean, it, it's all a, a mass media creation. That all of this. It's it's you know. Right. It's crazy. It's gotten, gotten a little a uh, little more out of hand than, I, than it used to, that's for sure. Right. Um, so, Eric, you brought up, you know, packing the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. Well, now that Amy Coney Barrett has been confirmed to the Supreme Court, presidential nominee Joe Biden, he said he will consider rotating justices if he gets elected next week. Here's a clip of his remarks. Part of your commission, you would look at how long justices serve on the court. Does that mean that you're open to term limits? No, 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 no. There, there, there is a question about whether or not it's a lifetime appointment. I'm not going to attempt to change that at all. There's some literature among constitutional scholars about the possibility of going from one court to another court, not just always staying the whole time in the Supreme Court. But I have made no judgment, my word. My words about made no judgment. They're just a group of serious constitutional scholars, have a number of ideas how we should proceed from this point on. And uh, that's what we're going to be doing. I'm going to give them 180 days, God willing, if I'm elected, from the time I'm sworn in to be able to make such a recommendation. Okay, so the concept of judge rotation, this has actually been brought up in the past mm -hmm. by Bernie Sanders, for instance. Uh, he made the proposal for the same thing during the Democratic primary. Uh, a recent poll, though, indicated Americans would much rather see term limits on the Supreme Court before they see 
cord packing going on. What are your thoughts on his remarks? Is the, so, so he doesn't have a position, right? So that, that's, I don't have a position. I'm going to let a commission. Does the commission have a blue ribbon? Is it like a blue ribbon commission? Because <laughs> those are the best kind of commissions. When they wear the blue ribbon and they do the whole thing, that's the best kind of commission. But I, I mean, it's just, it goes to show you that blatantly he doesn't want to say what he's for because he doesn't want to lose the election. They have, their whole entire thing is orange man bad. <laughs> and that's what they're running the election on. The media is, is completely running interference for him and letting him. I mean, there, there's been some instances where they've asked a couple of questions, but they're basically letting him say, oh, I don't know. I'm going to do. I'm going to punt it. Yeah. Do, do you think he's more likely to rotate justices than pack the court? Because, I mean, he has said in the past that he's not for it, but it does seem like there's a lot of pressure for him to get on board. Yeah, I think that party ultimately they i know that's the way they want to lean because again this is all about power it's always been about power but certainly now that their history fits in the temper tantrums did not work i absolutely believe that it's on the table and i think that's specifically why he would refuse to answer the question when he was constantly asked about this going into uh the the last month or, or, or so they would ask him and he'd just say well you know I, i'm not going to give you that answer because that, that that deviates from the, the actual <laughs> position, like all this weird stuff. Th th think about that. For the last three weeks, because it's only been three weeks, I think, since she was nominated, we have heard from the left, you must let the people decide so that they can decide what's going to happen with the Supreme Court. He's not taking a position. He's not letting the people decide. He's like, I don't know. It's like, he actually, he's like, I don't know. But we're going to have, like, these group of people, and I'm just going to do, they're not going to be elected. When nobody elected him, so you don't really get to choose. But I'm just going to do whatever they tell me to do. Right. It, it shows completely, like you said, it's about power, and it completely upends the whole notion of, and I bet you know, you know what, they're going to have a couple of Republicans on them. Now, they're going to be Lincoln Project Republicans, right. and, and <laughs> but there'll be a couple of Republicans on it, too. Right. I think you might be right, Rob. All right, so we have got more to come, but first we want to thank our sponsor, Omega XL. Man, I bet you can relate whether it's your back, your knees, your neck, shoulder pain. The underlying cause, it's likely inflammation, and you have to defeat inflammation or it can cause permanent damage. Backed by 35 years of clinical research, Omega XL attacks the inflammation that's causing your pain. It is brilliant. Pain relievers and topical rubs, they just mask the problem, but Omega XL neutralizes the inflammation that causes painful, stiff joints and muscles. And a doctor said, with my prescription pad, I can't write anything that comes close to doing what Omega XL does. So if you're suffering with aches and pains and stiffness, you need to try Omega XL. So let's get you started. Order Omega XL now and get a second bottle free. Visit OmegaXL.com news. That's OmegaXL.com news. Or you can call 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. We'll be back in a minute. MSNBC host Joe Scarborough. He asserted yesterday that President Trump would kill reporters if possible and that Russian President Vladimir Putin is more open to answering tough questions than Trump. Um, if you don't know, Scarborough hosts MSNBC's Morning Joe. He's had a long feud with the president, and he was slamming Trump for how he handled that interview that he did on CBS's 60 Minutes with reporter Leslie Stahl. Uh, Trump, he ended the interview midway through and eventually released an unedited version ahead of CBS's airing of the program. 
And Scarborough said that Trump avoided answering Stahl's questions and then went on to say he would be worse to reporters than Putin if he could get away with it. Here's a clip of it. An autocratic leader from Eastern Europe, whether it's Belarus or whether it's Russia, uh, actually, though he kills journalists, Vladimir Putin on camera actually seems a little more willing to ask tough, to answer tough questions uh, when when they're asked of him. Donald Trump can't even handle that. Of course, of course, Donald Trump would kill reporters if he could get away with it. He'd do. I think even his his strongest supporters would admit Trump would do whatever he could get away with. So, I mean, first of all, how can Joe Scarborough get away with a comment like that? Well, it's free press. I mean, he can say whatever he wants. I mean, he can look like an idiot while he says it, <laughs> but he can say whatever he wants, right? I mean, right. Donald Trump doesn't want to answer tough questions. I mean, Joe Biden over the weekend screamed, like yelled at reporters for daring to ask a question. Like, how dare you? Come on, man, right? That's his favorite thing. Come on, man, right? <laughs> Donald Trump has been asked tough questions. Joe Biden has been asked, so you went to cookout North Carolina? It's a chain restaurant. Mm-hmm. What, what flavor of milkshake to get? Right. right. There's questions swirling around about whether he is a completely owned subsidiary of the Chinese Communist Party and is willing to go into business with the Chinese Communist Party. He said, I don't know if you guys saw that, that clip from Trump's rally last night where he just played every time. Joe Biden is like the only person in the United States of America that doesn't think that the number one biggest geopolitical threat to the United States of America is China. And he said it over and over and over again. Come on, man. He doesn't get asked about that. He gets asked, so do you got like a Dr. Pepper? You got a <laughs> strawberry? Uh-huh. Sorry, Whataburger. It, it, they don't get to do the Dr. Pepper. But you got like a strawberry? You got like a banana berry float with, you know, sprinkles on top? I mean, which one did you get, Joe? Give me a point. He does get so many softball questions. Do you think it's surprising that even after four years, the left still sees him as if he's some fascist dictator? Well, yeah, they do. I think that's because they have to cling to that. I mean, it's that's kind of how the left operates these days is that they try to speak things into existence. Um, You've had as much as I may not be a fan of Trump, I would say that he's probably the most like pro gay, pro black president uh, that you probably had uh, ever, you know, just to be completely honest. Yet. He is looked at as a racist, homophobic, because that's what they have said that he is. And they need that to be true in order for their particular narratives to be true. Mm-hmm. That's how they've operated for as long. When you have the media on your side, you get to do that. You get to, you get to just say whatever it is that you want. And that's your truth. And that's the truth. That's the reality. But just much like you said, the person that is not answering questions or the person that rather gets softball questions to answer is more so Joe Biden. So to try to I guess that goes, you know, it's part of the course for them to accuse Trump of what their guy more so is doing or what they are doing effectively is more so what it is. So, look, I expect this from him. It sucks when you are a person that tries to seek the truth and you see this and it's like, well, this this doesn't necessarily seem seem right to just flat out say that he would kill reporters. It's a little bit of just a little bit of a stretch that don't you think? But it, it, it's fine. I mean, they, they have the media on their side. They can say all kinds of crazy things. And again, if that's what they perceive as the truth, they get speaking into existence. Right. Well, this is I mean, 2020 has felt like a super long year. So if some of you don't remember that this happened, uh, 
Michael Bloomberg, do you remember when he ran for president? It was the most expensive failed presidential bid in history. That seems like forever ago, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, man. All right, well, now he is spending money to boost Joe Biden in the Republican strongholds of Ohio and Texas. So he bought some last-minute advertising. It amounts to $15 million, um, a fraction of what Bloomberg is spending in Florida to support Biden. Because internal polling suggests that President Trump is vulnerable in the two states. So he's planning on buying these ads in Ohio and Texas. Uh, in Texas, it's a Spanish language ad. Then in addition to that, um, as the 2020 campaign starts winding down, Trump appears to be focused on recreating a Midwest sweep. Um, but Biden, they seem to be really focusing on Georgia and Texas. They seem convinced that those two states are in play for them and that they could possibly get them. So it's been trending on Twitter today that Texas is on its way to becoming a Democratic state. Do you think that could be true? I, I think it might be true. So if you go back and you look at the 2016 data and you look at the share of the popular vote that in all of the states that Donald Trump got versus Mitt Romney, a lot of states, including, you know, very left wing states like California and, and Massachusetts and New York, trended towards the Republican. Right. Texas was one of the few anomalies, Texas and Utah and Georgia a little bit where you saw that blue go back the other way, where you saw it trend towards the Democrats. So I can see I mean, it's it's always this is the year, this is the year, this is the year. But what you're also seeing in a lot of these southern states is the polling, especially in the Senate races, um, which I think is going to transfer over to, the, to, the, to the, the presidential race, you're seeing soft Republicans come home. You know, I, I said something on social media over the weekend, or over the week, and, and got a little, you know, attacked for it. But I know a lot of people, a lot of people who work in this building, um, that didn't vote for Donald Trump last time, that are going to vote for Donald Trump this time. You know, Ben Shapiro, Glenn, myself, uh, Stu, a bunch of people. Um, but I also know them in my private life that isn't my political life, a bunch of guys that I game with. You know, there was one guy in the group of six this weekend that had voted for Donald Trump. Right. The rest of us had not either didn't vote or vote. Some voted for Hillary. Mm -hmm. They're all voting for Donald Trump. So it's it's anecdotal. I don't know what it is, but to go to the, the Midwest. I think that the Democrats know that they're in trouble in the Midwest. Absolutely. And I think that, so there's two ways to look at this. Are they trying to, are they trying to just spike the football? Because they think they already have it won and they want to like move it? Or have they given up on the Midwest? D Donald Trump moved his Ohio campaign manager, the campaign moved him out of Ohio and into Pennsylvania because they're, they're so, they're so much thinking they're going to get Ohio that they were able to do that. So there's two ways to look at this. Is this them trying to spike the football? I mean, why is Obama out campaigning? Like, why did Obama come off the bench mm -hmm. the past two weeks? He, he did not campaign for the entire election. We have the media telling us that it's a fait accompli that Joe Biden's going to win. And all of a sudden, Joe Biden, Barack Obama comes out and campaigns. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, I, well, I remember people were kind of upset because Hillary Clinton didn't really focus on the Midwest as much, but Trump is doing that now. What do you think about Biden's strategy of focusing on Georgia and Texas? Do you think it's a, a smart move for him? Well, I mean, I always think these things, daggum things are a waste of money uh, when it comes to these ads. I mean, that's one of the more criminal things about all this is how the millions of dollars are lectured by these 
people that are leftists that have talked so much about spending and so much. And you look at the maze upon maze and dollars that goes into uh, funding, funding usually campaigns that they end up losing. Man, it just goes to show. But that's a little beside the point. I digress. I, I don't expect Texas to turn blue, per se. Um, and it is anecdotal, like you said, in terms of who I talk to. But I also look at where this yip yap comes from. And it more so comes from people from areas that are already blue that I expect to be blue. The mm -hmm. Austins of the world, even Dallas, uh, Houston, like these these areas that all right, these weirdos are coming from California and they're moving there. But they're all packing in the same areas where they've always been. Mm -hmm. So and then I talk to I, I hear just a person that is a libertarian, you know, so I don't have allegiance to either of these sides. But when I speak to people, there's far more folks that seem to be. If they are to be closeted, they're closeted Trump supporters versus closeted Biden supporters. Maybe because, again, if you walk around with a Biden hair shirt, you're not going to run into any problems. If you wear a red hat, you may have to throw some hands with someone. But that's that's how I see it. So I think they're going to make that mistake. They get cocky as they always do. And again, it goes back to what we were saying last segment. The left, they did themselves in the in the door. Last election, they're doing it again, getting way too cocky, believing in polls, thinking that, well, this is what the, the, the online polls say. This is what all of the other polls say. And we know I, the fact that we're going through this again. And I'm not saying that Trump is going to win, but the fact that we're going through this again and nobody's like, guys, it was like 80 two percent Hillary last time. Do y'all not remember what happened? Right. And she got a tail whooped. The fact that we're going through this again is amazing to me. Yeah, it's amazing. Polls don't always tell the actual story. <laughs> All right, we've got more to come. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Not Free America. Not Free America is written by Mike Donovan, and this guy has fought tyranny for years as the founder of the nation's largest pro bono civil rights law firm. As Donovan puts it in his new book, Not Free America, our Bill of Rights has been under attack long before COVID-19 or George Floyd's murder. If you refuse to surrender your liberty to any earthly power, you need this book. Not Free America solves the issue of citizens being used by the government, but it's, it's more than just a book. It's a solution. Visit NotFreeAmerica.com to take the Liberty Pledge and order your copy today to find out how to stop the overreaching abuse of our government and what actions you can take to do better. We must work together and do better to fix our ever-compounding liberty crisis in America. If we can unite around the concept of liberty, we can create lasting greatness. Remember, the most significant changes usually come from crisis. So do your part and visit NotFreeAmerica.com today. That's NotFreeAmerica.com. Order your book today. We'll be back in a minute. There's been some viral videos capturing mayhem that took place in Philadelphia last night after the police shooting of a 27-year-old named Walter Wallace Jr., Authorities fatally shot Wallace, who was reportedly armed with a knife as police responded to the scene of a domestic incident. Now, during the incident, Wallace reportedly strode toward the officers. He refused to drop his knife. It shows the police attacked him. Anyway, rioters came out in full force and they were making police run for cover. And we've got video. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, oh. Get him, yeah! 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 That's what I like! What the f 
It's really hard to watch and listen to. Um, one video also appears to show an officer being struck by a pickup truck. It was a 56-year-old female sergeant who suffered a broken leg after being hit by the vehicle. At least 30 police officers were injured in the line of duty as violent protesters smashed windows, they looted, they set vehicles on fire. Um, all of the officers, except for the one that was struck by the truck, they've all been treated and released as of today, thank goodness. Um, but they were setting police cars on fire, dumpsters set on fire as the police officers were trying to control the crowds. Uh, a lot of things were being vandalized. What are your thoughts on just what's unraveling in Philadelphia? It seems like we just have had this over and over and over this year. Yeah, no, that's the off of the course of 2020. Um, unfortunately, what happened in with the George Floyd situation, and I think it speaks more to like what how the media responded and how a lot of politicians really authorized uh, this. You've basically given folks the green light to act up um, in the event. So what happens is it's not the event per se. So what happened with the shooting, which I, I thought there was some footage that came out. Of, uh, I hadn't seen it uh, with the actual shooting. What they are looking for is an excuse to do whatever it is that they want. So if you give them a little bit of leeway, they don't need the details. They don't need any of that. They're ready to act up. And this is the, the, the monster that they have allowed to manifest. So unfortunately, a lot of people are going to get hurt in the process, get caught in a crossfire, people's buildings or businesses or, or, or cars being set on fire that had absolutely nothing to do with this. That's what you're going to see a lot more of because unfortunately, people have treated these people like children and they've said, well, you have an issue. And therefore, because you're mad, you get to do whatever it is you want to. So if you want to act up, you could act up. Um, and even if it means lashing out at people that are innocent, uh, parties that are involved. So I think you're going to see much more, much more of this really until that one side condemns this be bad behavior. But because they've allowed it to manifest and more importantly, what they did, they said, look, you guys have a legitimate reason to be angry. So we're not going to even talk about that. Let's talk about the other issue as if you can't talk about both of it, as if you can't say, well, if the police are at fault here, they're at fault. You're also an idiot for going around destroying people's private property. So until we have that conversation, you're going to see more of this. And this again, that's the monster that the leftists have created. So, Rob, do you think we need to be prepared for a lot more of this if Trump does win the election? Yeah, Trump wins, Trump loses. I mean, it, it, it doesn't, they, they don't care. I mean, Glenn showed it. They don't care who wins the election. They, they, they're going, there's going to be violence um, next week. But I mean, if you want to give Trump Pennsylvania, you, you mm. do that. But to your point, right, these aren't like, these are African-American owned businesses that yep. they're torching in an African-American neighborhood. They are destroying their own community. And, and I, I have friends, I have African-American friends that have seen the video, like you said, mm. and the guy kept going at him with a knife. What are they supposed to do? Maybe they use a beanbag. Maybe they use something else. I don't know. But, you know, there, there are times when deadly force is warranted, no matter who the other person is. But, it be, but we're to such a point that anytime anything like this happens, 
It's a tinderbox. And it's like, these things look organized too, right? Man. It's like, are there just like groups of cells of people waiting to organize these things if they so. happen? Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's what it is. I mean, they, they had weapons. They were throwing, you know, what Molotov cocktails probably, which is what's setting stuff on fire. They, they had weapons. And, and the thing is, the police department, which is an inner city police department, in a, in a sane world... They would have formed up and just started beating it back, right? But it's not a world where you can do law and order like that. So you've got them running down the street. It's 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 absolutely amazing that this is happening. And but it's 2020, so I mean, this and I is feel, what's well, I feel like we've been so focused on what's going on right here in our own backyard, but um, some crazy things have been going on in France as well. There was a history teacher uh, named Petit. He displayed the cartoons of Mohammed in his class. In order to make a point about free expression, um, the father of one of his students began an internet campaign against this teacher, uploading videos to YouTube and Facebook, blasting him and claiming that he showed cartoons of Muhammad with his genitals exposed. Well, the campaign, it caught fire in the Muslim world with worldwide calls for basically retribution against him and the French government who refused to take any action against him because it was, I mean, it was a class on free speech. So ultimately, Petit, he was murdered and beheaded on October 16th by an 18-year-old refugee who then was actually caught and killed by police as he attempted to flee. But because of all of this, uh, Muslims around the world, they're boycotting France after President Macron refused to condemn those cartoons of Muhammad. I mean, why haven't we heard about this? Because I've talked to lots of people about this story. And no one had really heard anything about it. Well, I think because it's the immigration thing has always it's never been a black and white issue. It has never been a black and white. This is something I've had to even explain to libertarians. Culture shock is an absolutely real thing. And what this does is it, it, it speaks to the contrary of, of what people had pre, these preconceived notions on what every refugees is this this honest person that, that ha, will never do any wrongdoing. And somebody just gets to be headed for showing a cartoon like that's a bad thing. Obviously, I think we can all agree that that's a bad thing, but that's why it's not being covered because it's not pretty. You know, and it really speaks against some of these these concepts that we've we've long talked about. And that's why I think the whole immigration thing does not get resolved because it's it, people treat it as if it's black and white. And it is not definitely for us that have lived in Texas, me who have lived in South Texas. I know it is not as black and white. I know not every person coming over coming over here is just uh, so many people are. They just want to get out of these crappy situations. Some of them are. And we need to stop pretending like every single one. Uh, it, 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 that's the approach. And until we have that conversation, it makes folks very uncomfortable until we have it. You get instances like that where out of signaling, you had this this influx and then this these people that are diametrically opposed to each other culturally. And then you have created tension there and it's a time bomb waiting to go off. And then when it goes off, you want to ignore it or or you want to clutch your pearls. You better start paying attention. To that yeah. Stuff. Well, and I do want to point out we have to go to break, but I do want to point out that uh, President Macron has held his ground on free expression. So that's good news for the people of France. All right. We will be back in just a minute. I mean, it's a really, the boycott is a, a pretty big deal. And it's a boycott of Well, if you live in Newark, 
you might not like this story. Um, Mayor Raz Baraka of Newark, New Jersey, announced yesterday non-essential businesses across the city would be required to close by 8 p.m. local time starting today. So that curfew is taking place today. Um, it's because there's been a sharp spike in COVID-19 cases in Newark. So it says that there are more cases than every other city in their Essex County combined there in Newark. So, gosh, the high positivity rate is more than 25%. So they've also canceled sports activities, recreation facilities. So all the stores have to close by 8 p.m. except for supermarkets, pharmacies, and gas stations. Barbershops and beauty salons, they have to conduct by appointment only. He says large gatherings are still happening. Restaurants and indoor places have to be strict with the numbers they're allowing to come in. They've kind of alluded that a second shutdown could be possible if they don't get this under control. Do you think a second shutdown is possible? Oh, of course. I mean, the second shutdown, if Donald Trump remains president, is 100 percent possible. Um, I think you might see some different things um, if the election goes a different way. But this all goes back to what coronavirus is, right? If you, I, I, people on TV, you, you're out there, Google EU versus United States coronavirus. You'll get a thing from Stat- Statista, as I think it is, it's a UK firm. Now, the UK was locked for a lot longer than we are. Mandatory mass mandates across most of their countries. If you look at it right now, they have surpassed daily counts. They're about 400 million people. We're 335 million people. They have shot past us. It's an exponential curve in the EU. But they did all these things. They shut down. They kept restaurants closed. It's a virus. You know, Mike Pence got slammed by the left for yesterday saying we may not be able to stop this. It is complete hubris to think that what man does will stop it. Remember when we saw those graphs flatten the curve, two weeks to flatten the curve? You saw the when it's flattened and you saw it go up and then you saw when it's not flattened and it goes up. The area under the curve for people that remember their calculus was the same. The area under the curve is the number of people that are going to get coronavirus without a vaccine, without herd immunity. The same number of people are going to get coronavirus. They're just going to get it later. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're it's it's insane to me. The only way out of this is through this. I've said it consistently. I've been ridiculed for by my friends. The only way out of this is through this. There is no way to shut it. And if you look at these European things, they were like down in here. Right. So they had the little spike and then they were like down here while the U.S. was kind of up here. And now they've just shot up because they didn't build immunity. The only country that's not like that, though, is, of course, Sweden. So I'm guessing that neither of you think a curfew will actually solve this problem. No, it's not going to solve it. It's people going through the motions. They've always been going through the motions. It's, it's not going to look. I know they've switched from deaths to cases now. And everybody always cares about cases, um, though it was deaths at one point. Look at all these people dying. And then it seems like there's better treatment um, or maybe it's a different strain, whatever. People aren't dying as much. So now they focus on the actual cases. Now, I'm sitting here like, well, it was always to assume, pointing back to Rob's point, that flatten the curve, it always assumed that the number of people that were going to get the virus was always the number of people that were going to catch the virus. It was never assumed the curve, flatten the curve, the theory had nothing to do with stopping people altogether from getting it. It had everything to do with spreading it out across o- over time so that you didn't overwhelm your hospitals. The reality of the situation is if most of us have not got it yet, we're going to get it 
at some point. Now, you can look at that as a negative thing or you can look at what the data shows and the data shows that there's a 99% survival rate for most people, <laughs> right. even people with comorbidities. So it's in the upper 90s for the people with, with comorbidities. So the fact that we're, we're going through these motions, Despite the evidence to the contrary, we have the evidence of the countries that have these lockdowns and they were ineffective with it in terms of slowing this or rather stopping people from getting all together. They're seeing a second spike. We are entering into another flu season. You have other other countries, depending on where you look, it goes one way, it goes the other way. That's because we're just going through the motions. Yes. The data does not point to their and, points. And it, and it's control, right? We just talked about what happened in Philadelphia, right? Now, you'll remember that when New York put its restrictions in place, it was people of color that were more likely to get stopped by the police to stop them from doing this. Newark, New Jersey is a majority minority city, right? This is just another way that the police are going to be able to stop people for no reason. It's all about control. Well, we haven't heard the the last of Dr. Fauci. He says that early COVID-19 vaccines, they will only prevent symptoms, not actually stop transmission. He said the vaccines will only be maybe 50 or 60 percent effective. So he, he keeps cautioning these early vaccines are simply aimed at preventing or reducing symptoms. So he said if it allows you to prevent initial infection, that would be great. But the primary endpoint is to prevent clinically recognizable disease. What are your thoughts on his remarks on that real quick? I mean, so what he's saying is you're tempering your body with a little bit of the, the Rona so that if you get the Rona, it's not going to be a, a case. That's somehow how some of this works. But they, I mean, the goal is herd immunity, right? The goal is to get a vaccine in you that will stop you from getting it. And whether it's stopping you from getting it and it's only asymptomatic or whatever it is, they are setting you up, folks. I mean, there are people that think that this is over, Right. And I think if Donald Trump loses, it's going to be over a lot quicker than it than not. Mm-hmm. But no matter what way we're, they they have this power now. They love this power. People are like, I, I have a friend that bought a 10 pack of, you know, Red Sox tickets for Fenway Park. He ain't using those next year because they aren't going to let people in Fenway Park <laughs> next year. All right. This is going to go on. For another year, they're going to keep you scared. They're going to keep you scared. They're going to keep you scared because they, I, I, I think there's some sadists and they just love doing it. Well, it's just a good reminder. Get plenty of sleep. Take your vitamin C. Get some vitamin D outside. Those all help too. All right, we're going to come back with our question of the day. Stick around. There's always little things you can do on your own to like figure out what else we can do. So we asked you guys yesterday, will the Hunter Biden allegation seriously impact the 2020 race? Now, 54.8% of you said yes. 45.2% of you said no. But um, you mentioned Ted Cruz earlier. He basically said he doesn't feel like it's going to move the needle for voters. I, I don't think I, I at this point, I don't think it's going to move the needle. They, they have completely shut it down. Um, and I mean, I am fully on board with that. If Joe Biden wins within like three weeks of him winning, they're going to force him to step down because they're going to say, oh, my God, these really were real. Everything was real. And that's how you get, you know, Kamala. President Kamala. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. So our question for today, have you voted yet? And yes, I have. I voted the very first day and didn't wait in a single line. And I was in and out. So hooray for early voting. <laughs> Me too. I went I went to uh, community college here right around the corner from the studio. That's where I went. Um, went right in. The, um, the, the staff had their nice 
vote, 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 um, like your life depended on it, masks. I've tried to get somebody to go look into that because that is obviously the Democratic slogan for this time when you're not supposed to electioneer. But I was able to get in and vote early. Right. And I, I no, yeah. no, didn't vote. So, America, I know you're going to tell me about it in the comments about how. I'm going to turn this country into a socialist nation. I'm ready for it. No, I have not went and voted yet. Also, you're right, too, though. That's why we that's love America. Exactly. That is my right to do that. Your you. vote is not voted. Everyone yes, gets to exactly. choose for themselves. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we like our freedoms here. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> Thank you guys for being on. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.